Hey, Just Ask the Question podcast listeners. This week we have a special treat to celebrate our 100,000th download. We are releasing a best of, uh, mostly a mixture of our 2020 and 2021 interviews. So stay tuned and enjoy. Hi, and welcome to Just Ask the Question. I am your host, Brian Karam, and with us today is Brian Fogel, the director of The Dissident, a documentary about the death of uh, Jamal Khashoggi, the Washington Post journalist who was killed in Turkey. And uh, we're going to start out, uh, Brian, the title of the show is Just Ask the Question. So I'm going to just ask you this. At any point in time, did you feel uncomfortable putting together this documentary or in any way uh, threatened for doing it? Uh, You know, uh, I threatened in the sense of you know, receiving uh, personal uh, threats. Um, you know, there has been a lot of like uh, Saudi troll activity um, on Twitter and social media. Um, Omar Abdelaziz, who um, factors heavily in the film, yeah. um, has certainly um, had uh, uh, countless uh, threats and, um, and um, you know, uh, tweeting and uh, text messages to his phone, um, et cetera, somebody. Uh, but um, I, I personally have, uh, uh, have not um, felt like I am, you know, uh, um, you know, threatened or um, in danger. I mean, that, that said, when we were, you know, when we were making the film, um, you know, there was a lot of rules um, that, uh, that we were taking, um, and uh, all of the ads uh, was done uh, offline, uh, so on and so forth. Um, but you know, to this, uh, um, you know, to this day, I, um, you know, uh, uh, I, I feel safe. Well, t- to recap, and uh, for anyone who hasn't seen it, I, I recommend that you do see it. And there are a couple of streaming services that have made it possible. It- and I know it had a limited release, but I really wish it had had a wider release so people could see exactly what happened. But for those who don't know, uh, Jamal Khashoggi was uh, a Washington Post reporter, but uh, a Saudi national who um, had become involved with uh, some people in Canada. And apparently the young man that you're talking about felt he was personally responsible for uh, Khashoggi's death because he left the realm or had, according to the um, Saudi government, or at least the prince there, um, had crossed the line and become a dissident because he was helping them. Um, I wonder, right. 
if you could just take me through how you, why you picked up this project, what surprised you about it and what you learned from it? Well, um, you know, the, the film just uh, came out uh, on uh, video on demand uh, across um, uh, many platforms just a, a few days ago. So it is available on Amazon, uh, available on uh, iTunes and, uh, you know, uh, Torrent on Apple, I think Comcast, DirecTV, Vudu, Xbox, Microsoft. Uh, so anywhere where you can rent uh, a film, uh, you're going to find it. You're just not going to find it. Um, on Netflix or Hulu uh, or HBO uh, or Amazon Prime, uh, but you will find it uh, to, to rent. Um, that being mainly because, you know, the, the major streamers, uh, big global streamers, um, uh, just uh, didn't want the film. And that's, you know, a whole story. Um, Why is that? Know. Well, I think... You know, uh, the U.S.-Saudi uh, relationship is is very complicated. Um, as you see in the film, uh, they wield a lot of power uh, within uh, the White House, within the Trump administration, um, and you know they're the largest weapons sell. Uh, they're the largest weapons purchaser um, uh, in the world, and the largest weapons purchaser to the United States. Um, and they also, you know, control hundreds of billions, if not trillions of dollars of wealth uh, that they are using to invest into tech companies, um, you know, you name the company. Um, so I think when it came uh, to these big global streamers that had the ability um, to put this film out uh, into the world, um, I, they, uh, and whatever their risk assessment models were, uh, they valued their subscriber growth uh, and their business interests over their human rights interests. And, um, uh, and so the, the film um, in terms of distribution um, has suffered uh, as, as, as a result. And um, it wasn't just Netflix uh, or Amazon uh, even though, I mean, it's available to rent on Amazon, but that's a different thing. Uh, you know, um, it was, it was across the board, um, uh, despite, you know, the accolades, despite standing ovations at Sundance, um, and despite, you know, a, a global recognition, uh, about this murder and, and what I believe is, uh, a lot of interest, um, in this story. Um, but, um, uh, you know, that, that aside, um, when I decided to, to take on um, making this film, um, you know, I, I was really looking for what that next project and what that next story uh, was going to be, um, you know, uh, following Icarus and um, having the, you know, the, the incredible um, good fortune to have been on that journey but also um the accolades uh of that film that you know crescendoed with the academy award in, in march of 2018 um i felt uh you know uh, i guess i'd call it a uh um you know a, a responsibility uh, 
um, to continue to tell stories that would uh, shine lights uh, or shine light into what I view uh, and viewed as kind of dark corners um, of uh, injustice in, in this world and, uh, and certainly the case of Jamal human rights abuses. And um, so as, as his murder unfolded in those first two weeks of October, 2018, you know, my ears perked up and um, over those next few months, uh, I was able to build the, the trust of Hatija Jangas, his fiance, Omar Abdelaziz, the, uh, the Saudi dissident living in self-exile in Montreal, um, and uh, the Turkish government. Uh, those three main components um, really allowed me to, to craft the film, not as a piece of archival, but really craft it as, uh, as I saw it, which was a, a global you know, spy thriller. Um, uh, a, a murder mystery um, that just so happens to unfortunately uh, be 100% true um, yeah. and, uh, uh, and everything in the film even though it's, it's kind of crafted uh, like, you know, like you might find in The Born Identity yeah. um, it's all it's, it's as real as real can get Hi, and we're back. It is Just Ask a Question. I am your host, Brian Karam, and joining us today is Soledad O'Brien. And I guess, Soledad, I'll just start off just asking you the question. What the hell's wrong with the press? Oh, I love the press so much. Me I love too, the press. me I've too. I've been for 31 years, right? And so I think sometimes when you really love something, you really, really root for it, and you really, really want it to be good. And I think right now the press does not exactly many members of the press, and really I'd say politically the political press, your people, yeah. your people are really struggling more than most um, because they just don't often know how to handle Donald Trump and a lot of the old rules uh, where you assume someone's telling the truth. They might be exaggerating, they might be spinning, but there's a, a level of honesty. Um, uh, where you, where someone has coherent thoughts, speaks in full sentences, um, doesn't fabricate. I mean, I'm not even being sarcastic. No, I really, not. I mean, I think that it's a real challenge. I'm, shoot, I should be interviewing you. A real challenge for many reporters. And I think when they think of their job as, you know, front row at the Trump show, it's very, it's it's it it sort of breaks my heart, right? Because it gives away the power of being a White House correspondent which is not the Trump show and it's not the Obama show and it's not the Bush show and it's not the Clinton show. It's, it's a really important job. And, you know, I, I always felt like that title. So it was so dismissive of your own mission and your own work. Like, I mean, you couldn't diss yourself any harder, frankly. So, yeah, so it's a long winded way of saying, I think the political press just doesn't know how to handle uh, the president. And then you add to that, um, social media, which has really changed how we think about information right. and give out information. And so many journalists, I think, take a lot of those things, I know, take a lot of those things that the president says that are just, you know, uh, provable lies, and they elevate them just by quoting him. And, you know, if you quote people who are literally lying, if that sentence is untrue, 
um, you're really not doing a service to your viewers. So I think sometimes it comes down to as simple as everybody's kind of forgotten the mission and you got to go back to like, what is our jobs here? Our jobs are about bringing truth to the audience, to our readers, to our right. viewers, and also helping them navigate complicated things, right? So that means you don't put people who lie on TV. You don't put people who are not experts on TV. But we have you an equal right to be on you know, television. There's no both sides. Yeah. So you know the whole thing. But that's yeah. the long, long, long-winded answer on what's wrong. That's I, Well, I, I, I listen to what you're saying, and I think that part of the problem is we have... I remember when I first got into this business, and it was Helen Thomas, and the reason why I named this podcast Just Ask the Question is she... She took me aside. She was one of my mentors. And besides making me a great Lebanese meal at her house the first day I got in town, she took me aside and said, listen, doesn't matter what the answers to the questions are. It just matters that you just ask them. And we seem to be reticent to asking some of the important questions. I, I think you're right. We keep our head down. We play by the old rules. And we, and we figure that what the guy is saying is worth disseminating because he is the president. And it takes well, and little... you know better than anybody, right? Which yeah. is, if you ask the wrong question, then someone's going to yank your press pass. <clears throat> and you know better than anybody that suddenly, you know, you won't, you'll be a persona non grata. And if you have a great seat, a front row at the Trump show, you know, you potentially could lose that. And then what does that mean for your career? So I, I do think that people are very wary of asking really challenging questions. And you have a president, frankly, who's going to dodge it anyway. So right. why bother? I think is kind because of because you've got to get it out there. You do, but you end up having there. these really random, you know, asking Kaylee McEnany, you know, are you do you vow to always tell us the truth? It's like, but no one. I'm not even sure that's a question you should ask your high school boyfriend, right? Like, <laughs> I mean, it's just a stupid. Question, right? It doesn't make any sense, and and it actually gets this big long news cycle, and it just becomes it's it's so absurd, and it's. As an outsider, because I don't cover the White House, um, I'm not a political reporter, um, it's just embarrassing. I, I was literally embarrassed for the person who was asking that question and the people who then ran with it as if it was uh, a real answer. Yeah. Well, time to pay the bills, folks. And this one I, I don't mind doing. If <laughs> Actually, I've actually used this. If this 2020 holiday season feels like it's been a long time, come and make it worth the wait with Omaha Steaks. Omaha Steaks makes the perfect gift for family and friends or to treat yourself. All shipped directly to your door. They offer everything you need to bring families together for a delicious holiday feast. Okay, or maybe not. Maybe just a delicious festival. Uh, their deluxe grillers assortment package includes a variety of entrees, sides, and desserts. Right now, you can get this mouth-watering package. I've never actually seen a mouth water. Well, well, anyway, plus four free burgers and a free digital meat thermometer. And we all need a good meat thermometer. And exclusive price only available to uh, our listeners. So go to omahasteaks.com and enter the code question into the search bar. Get a jump on gift shopping with Omaha Steaks. You know, Omaha Steaks isn't just a steak. It, it's actually a, a lot of them. It's a fantastic gift and a safe way to share the joy of the season with Omaha Steaks, guaranteed quality and safety with every order. <laughs> order the Deluxe Grillers Assortment Package today and you'll receive four free Omaha Steak Burgers and a free digital meat thermometer. That's just a great straight line I won't use. When you go to omahasteaks.com and type question in the search bar, that's omahasteaks.com and type question and 
if you need to spell it, it's Q-U-E-S-T-I-O-N in the search bar. And you'll shop for the best gourmet gifts of the season. I, I like a good raw steak, so uh, enjoy it. It is a lot of fun. Hi, and welcome back to Just Ask the Question. I am your host, Brian Karam, and today we have a good friend with us again, uh, Daryl Davis, civil rights activist, hell of a good, well, hell of a, a piano player, <laughs> a musician, and a really great guy to talk to about. And today we're going to just ask the question about the recent controversy revolving around blackface. Daryl, thanks for being here again. Hey, thank you for having me again. Appreciate it. And so let's just ask the question. The big question, are you a racist if you wear blackface? Well, we have to look at the context in which the uh, blackface was being worn. You know, as, as we know, it started with the minstrels way back, right? you know, over, over 100 years ago, over 200 years ago. And it was basically done, you know, even black people wore blackface back then, you know, when they performed. But then whites began doing it in mockery and buffoonery of uh, black people. And that's where he got the, you know, the racial stigma and racist uh, stigma. But in the 1920s, there was a performer named Al Jolson who donned blackface. Now, Al Jolson was not a racist, in fact. Al Jolson put it on in tribute of black people. Uh, he loved black music. He loved um, black performers. And in fact, uh, Broadway at the time in New York was very racist. They would not hire black musicians, would not hire black actors. Al Jolson was like the, uh, to, to put it best, I'd say, was like the Elvis Presley of the 1920s. He was right. that big. All right? He put his own career on the line. He risked his own career fighting for the rights of black people to get them onto Broadway because they wouldn't hire him. He succeeded in getting U.B. Blake, the great uh, legendary ragtime pianist, hired on Broadway as one of the first blacks ever to be hired on Broadway. That's what Al Jolson did. Al Jolson did not make mockery or, or a buffoonery of black people. And there were people who did, who did this, uh, who followed in Al Jolson's footsteps. But again, you know, there were, there were those who, who did it for the strict purpose of mocking blacks. So I think, you know, we have to look at the context rather than just, you know, jump on somebody when we see something. Let me just digress for a second and give another analogy. The, you know, when you say um, those people are skinheads, right. the first thing people think of are white supremacists, neo-Nazis, guys who shave their head, and they're very racist. Uh, the skinhead movement was started in the UK. And these were working class people uh, who rebelled against the establishment. Uh, our parallel over here in the US were the hippies. Right. Okay. The skinheads shaved their heads in rebellion. The hippies grew their hair long in rebellion. <laughs> All right. And uh -huh. some would say that the, the hippies were imitating black culture when they. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And uh, the skinheads were not racist. There were plenty of black skinheads. And even today, there are black skinheads, some right here in Washington, D.C. I know some. Okay. Now, a sect of the skinheads went racist. Right. And that tainted the entire movement. So like when you say skinhead now, what I just I described a moment ago about white supremacist neo-Nazi is the image that comes to mind because a certain group of them, you know, uh, went renegade from the movement. 
Uh, and, and we see that problem occur time and time again. For example, because a certain sect of, uh, of uh, Muslims bombed our, our World uh, Trade Center and Pentagon. Okay, well, then we, so all Muslims are so, bad. Uh, yeah, so now we have Islamophobia. Okay, it's that kind of thing. Um, the swastika, as we know, was not created by Adolf Hitler. No, it's a 2,000-year-old Sanskrit exactly. thing from Sanskrit. Uh, you know, you found it in Greece. You found it in India. Right. I was in India early last year, and I saw it. Okay? And it's not being used as anything anti-Semitic or, uh, or white supremacist. All right? And if you, see, if you see a swastika in the same frame of a picture with, with an Indian from East India, right. right, like Mahatma Gandhi or somebody, it's no big deal. But if you saw a swastika in a picture with somebody in a Gestapo uniform or or, or little uh, mustache a, a la Adolf Hitler, there's a problem. Right. Okay? Absolutely. It'd be a big problem. So, so the point is context. point is context. Right. And so with that being said, here we are, and you and I are talking, and we're looking at a, a Virginia governor and a picture of um, him in blackface with a uh, person uh, who's dressed in uh, a KKK uniform, and he hasn't said that he's... First, he apologized for saying he was one of them uh, in the picture, and then he said he wasn't one of them, but it, it, at any rate... Then he said he was imitating Michael Jackson. <laughs> then he said he was imitating <laughs> Michael Jackson. Uh, don't get me started. But the fact that matter is, and the thing, and why I really wanted to talk to you about this is... Um, you're an African-American gentleman who has actually taken pictures with real members of Look, the man, KKK. I, I am a real black man, <laughs> yes. and I have posed in pictures with real Klansmen, not so, uh, wearing real uh, Klan hoods and Klan robes. Not, not fake. So, not something they, they, they snatched off their bed and, and put on their head like a pillow. <laughs> right. And one of the pictures that you just showed me that I find uh, uh, extremely interesting was the picture of you and um, the Klansmen. The Imperial Wizard in yeah. purple. And tell me about that picture. And if anyone wants to see it, we'll make all of these available. You'll see them on, on the uh, uh, sure. website. But let me tell you, but, you know, let's go to, to Governor Northam for a second. Uh, you know, here's the thing. You know, if, if I now, I, you know, I can't speak for everybody, white or black, of course. I'm, I want to offer no, my opinion. I, I, all right. So with that said, if I were to see a picture by itself, of somebody in blackface, I would question the context of it. I would not jump to conclusions myself. I'll exactly. Say, is this somebody who's uh, you know doing an Al Jolson kind of thing, um, or is it um, you know somebody who's, who's mocking? I'd have to you know look into the background of it. Um, so just the... and, but now, but if I saw that same picture in the same frame with someone wearing a Klan robe, I wouldn't have any questions. I would know what it stands for, right? Because there's no question what the Klan stands for. Right. That's not so really that up for... Yeah, yeah and I, I gave a uh, kind of a, a parallel to that, or, or at least a similar circumstance. There was Rob Lowe came out and uh, said something that he said was a joke, but made fun of uh, um, Elizabeth Warren. Uh, she would be a different type of uh, commander-in-chief with quotes around it, and said it was a joke. And then someone posted a, a picture of Rob Lowe with Sarah Huckabee Sanders and said, you don't need to go any further than this photograph to know what Rob Lowe thinks. And I, I said, that's your, you have to know the context of that photo. 
oh, wait a minute, I guess you're right. And I posted a photo of me standing next to Sarah Huckabee Sanders. And I said, I guess we must be best friends because, you know, and, and I must agree with everything that she said. It's it, it the context and people jump to conclusions immediately. But right. but in in context, you know what the Klan means. Right. That's and, not and I've up for... Sa- I've gotten the same response from white people and, black, and plenty of black people who have not done the research when they see a picture of me standing with a Klansman. Yes. You know, am I a sellout? Is he, he's a sellout. He's an Uncle Tom. He's an Oreo. I had, when you appeared on the show last, I actually had an email from someone saying, why are you having a sellout on the, uh, you know, why would a black person ever uh, pose with, with a Klansman? Obviously, he didn't listen to the show. Did not. Exactly. I, all they did was in the picture, a visceral reaction. It's a and people have visceral reactions without ever. I find mm-hmm. more and more today than it, I've ever seen of people just immediately. It's a knee jerk reaction yeah, without ever thinking about it. Right, and that's frustrating to me. You, uh, yeah, it's frustrating. But you know, I realize that there are people out there who are ignorant. And when I say ignorant, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's that's true. Well, you know, I mean, but 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 here, but you know, but here here's the bright side of that. And I don't use ignorant in in a, in a derogatory sense. No, ignorant means lack of knowledge. Lack of knowledge. Okay. Right. Stupid is you know that's different. That's different. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, fortunately, there is a cure for ignorance, and that cure is education. Education. Unfortunately, there's no cure for stupidity. <laughs> <laughs> if you give somebody the education, no. and they don't use it. And they can, can be do. ignorant, and you can expose them to education, sure. and they refuse to learn. That's, That's stupid. stupid. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Damn, you were ignorant. Now you're just damn right. stupid. <laughs> right. Hi, and welcome back to Just Ask the Question. I am your host, Brian Karam, and with us today is actor Ron Perlman. And Ron, I, the title of the you know the podcast is Just Ask the Question, so uh, in, in uh, memory of my mentor, uh, Helen Thomas. So I'll just ask you the question. Oh, wow. I, I, yeah, that was one of the very first things she ever told me when I met her. She said, uh, whatever you do, it doesn't matter what their answer is. It doesn't matter if they answer the question, just ask the question that way they can't deny that it's on the public record and then of course sam donaldson told me and i'll teach you how to yell out enough so they hear you and after that i had fun so i'll good, just <laughs> good good mentoring there yeah great and uh, sam's still a good friend uh, i love him to death. um i'll start with just asking you the question you were one of the first people i uh, noticed outside of politics or outside of those of us covering this administration when the administration when the current uh, Trump administration started that uh, went after Donald Trump, and uh, you have continued to do so for the last four years. What prompted you to do it? It's hard to remember the the. I mean, specifically, I'm I, I'm not. I don't think I'm equipped to identify the the exact moment. But um, you know, I was on my guard because I grew up in New York City, and Donald Trump. You know, he, he and I are like only four years apart. So we've both been uh, kind of, you know, traveling in, in similar zeitgeists for north of 70 years. And um, you get to, you, you really got to understand that this guy was a walking joke. I mean, you know, and he was, he was 
an embarrassment at everything he, he put his hand to. He was uh, as dissonant in the way he um, tried to insert himself into your life in order to imbue himself with importance and relevance, that it was always as fucked up and embarrassing and like, wait a minute, you know, when, when you're a snake oil salesman, you gotta have a good pattern, man. I mean, you gotta have, you gotta, you, there's gotta be some cleverness there. There's gotta be some duality, some wit, some real kind of like, you have to, you know, figure out a way to, to lure in um, the, um, uh, well, shit, why can't I remember the name? The Rubes. Yeah. That's, that's your game. And that's all he's ever been as a con man. And every single thing that he's ever applied himself to has been a con of one kind or another, all of which is connected to this insatiable psychological sickness that is completely out of control and so deeply embedded in him that there's no returning from him. He's, he's irredeemable. Whatever his, like you, you mentioned as we were getting ready to come on the air, you know, his dad. Um, I can't imagine. It has to all come from, from mom and dad because yeah. there's a reflexive uh, kind of Pavlovian kind of response. We've now seen him in, in, in it, under every light. You know, as president of the United States, we have gotten to see him from everything from Maybe we just put some bleach. We just started injecting Clorox into you, and boom! I mean, and exposing your exposing your insides to light—that was yeah. Yeah, you know, so we've seen him in every light, and and um, it's his his inability to exhibit any of the qualities that define humanness is so deeply seated that it had to have been like from the cradle onward you know he had to have like you know either repeatedly been dropped on his head and then kicked across the room to the point where okay if i'm gonna get any kind of love from my dad i better hope i get dropped on my fucking head and kicked across the room and because every single thing that he does to provoke um the attention that he that he craves in a, in a way that is uh, undefinable. I mean, you know, uh, we'll get back to the great minds and, 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 and thoughts that we've heard over the last four years that have been trying to kind of, you know, put words to the music that we're, you know, that we're, we're trying not to hear. But- um, Hard to put words to the chaos that I've seen. I, I, but, it's just chaos in a blender. But he goes to places that even the greatest, like Hemingway's and, and Faulkner's uh, would have trouble quantifying because he he is he's he does things that um, we're not prepared for. Uh, Give me uh, an example uh, of one that you weren't prepared for. Um, I wasn't prepared for. I mean, I was prepared. It, it, it's a, it's a tricky question because. I was prepared for him to be as outrageous as possible, but when he was just a complete fucking asshole playboy, you know, with a with a, a trust fund in New York, and you'd sort of 
see him on the occasional, you know, radio um, trying to sell steaks and water and universities, you know, he was dismissible. Yeah. But um, as president, not so much. The and he began to exhibit the 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 kind of values that he was going to introduce into the, the rules right into debates. I mean, you know, the way he yeah. treated the other, the other 18 guys on the stage with him was, um, was no holds barred and, and it, was, it was really low down schoolyard shit, but not good school. I mean, in, if he had been in yeah. my school, he wouldn't be here right now. Yeah, he'd have gotten because his ass kicked. He, he would have he would have tried the shit he pulled on, on Jeb Bush and Rubio and shit, and he would have just been ended. I mean, he would have been fucking. He would have been taken to some place where nobody could see what was going down, and that'd be it. He would fucking bleed out, because you don't say shit like that to other human beings right. without getting your fucking ass handed to you in New York City. Right. But somehow he managed to get through, um, you know, under the the graces of it's the money of, that got him there yeah all of the all of the things that define the trump empire crime family um you know without getting without getting getting his ass kicked and and so that's a miracle right but anyway i guess it was in the debates when you started to realize he's now going to apply the unthinkable to human discourse he is now going to, to call people names, deal with people in a way that's not only, um, you know, you just don't say shit like that right. to somebody about anybody's wife. You don't call women fat fucks. I mean, you know, you don't do the things that he did and yet he did it and he did it and he did it and he, and he you know, John McCain's not a war hero. I, I, I don't, I like my war heroes not captured, you know, you, you, you hear that stuff and alarm bells go off. I mean, with me, anyway. Yeah. Tomahaw Steaks makes the perfect gift for family and friends or to treat yourself. All shipped directly to your door. They offer everything you need to bring families together for a delicious holiday feast. Okay. When you go to omahasteaks.com and type question in the search bar, that's omahasteaks.com and type question. And if you need to spell it, it's Q-U-E-S-T-I-O-N in the search bar. And you'll shop for the best gourmet gifts of the season. I, I like a good raw steak, so uh, enjoy it. It is a lot of fun. Hey, Just Ask the Question podcast listeners. If you've got a second, head on over to Twitter and follow our official page, J-A-T-Q, that's J-A-T-Q podcast. Again, that's at J-A-T-Q podcast. All right. Hi, and we're back. It's Just Ask the Question. I am your host, Brian Karam, and today is satirist and, uh, well, great singer and loves to wear the pink. I love, you know, I still have your sunglasses. I wear them in the White House all the time. I love that. That gives me <laughs> such joy. I can't tell you. <laughs> I like watching them freak out. So <laughs> they know, because, you know, that's, that's like, uh, it's almost as bad as like when the, when they, when the Proud Boys show up with their times, <laughs> like, well, you know, the thing about the Proud Boys, he said, stand by or stand back, back and stand by. Stand by. 
And, and you know what he wanted them to do? Everyone was afraid it was going to be a civil war. No, he wanted them to show up and cheer him while he drove off the golf. That's what they, they showed up on Saturday and cheered him as he drove to his country club golfing. That's that what the president mean. meant. Oh, so, great. Yeah, there, there's, that's a scene in a satire all by itself. So I'm just going to ask you the question, Randy, yeah. are, are you, are you, are you going to run out of material in 60 days or? Yeah. <laughs> well, I, you know, First of all, I, I unfortunately don't think he's going anywhere. Oh, really? You don't? You, you think they're going to have to forcefully? I mean, I mean, he'll be removed from the White House. But yeah. um, my gimmick, you know, it's sort of a, a mischaracterization of me, understandably yeah. so, that uh, I just am the, the Trump guy. Yeah. And some people think that I will, you know, on January twentieth, will just open my umbrella and fly off into the clouds and. <laughs> You know, never to be heard from again until 2024 when he runs again, God forbid, toy, toy, toy. Um, <laughs> well, see, they're afraid you're going to go, but they want me to go out. <laughs> they want you to go. Yeah. But the, the truth is, I the new uh, Donald Trump is not my muse. The news is my muse. And uh, I've been doing this shtick for 10 years now. Um, so back in the day, my first viral video was Randy Rambo's Dating Mel Gibson. I love and that. Then I dated Charlie Sheen, and then I did. You know, I, I covered any anyone who was in the news. Kim Davis, if you remember her in Kentucky, yeah. and Anthony Weiner. So I, I kind of designed this this gimmick so that I would never run out of material, um, because I just follow whatever the conversation is on social media or whatever they're talking about on the news. So now, granted, he has been the he has been the richest source of comedy for the last four years. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, not intentionally um, either. No, <laughs> yeah. and he certainly he certainly helped elevate my career. So thanks for that. And then, but now I'm done with him, and he can leave. But then also, <laughs> if you look at some of my some of my greatest hits over this past year alone have been uh, COVID and social distancing and uh, Anthony Fauci and Andrew Cuomo and Kamala. So. So whatever is in the news is material for me. So no, I'm not going nowhere. Yeah, that's good because you're a funny guy. You're, you're a, you know, it's how you tell a story. You're a funny guy. I'm a funny guy. <laughs> you're a funny I'm, guy. I'm looking down at my, my new kitten is playing with uh, my I kick hand. the cats out when I'm doing this because I otherwise they're climbing over the screen. And we have yeah. one that's a serial killer. We let her out at night and she comes back in the morning. She has like three dead bodies laid out for us. Hey, Just Ask the Question podcast listeners. If you've got a second, head on over to Twitter and follow our official page, J-A-T-Q podcast. That's J-A-T-Q podcast. Again, that's at J-A-T-Q podcast. All right. Hi, we're back. It's Just Ask the Question. I am your host, Brian Karam, and with me today is the leader of the Lincoln Project, Rick Wilson. And Rick, uh, congratulations on all the work you all did during the election. Uh, well, thank you very much. I, I'm one of, the, one of the leaders of the Lincoln Project. Now we're calling uh, you the leader for the day. <laughs> okay, well, there you go. I just want to make sure I'm not taking credit where no credit is no, due. No, no, we got, we, a, we got a great team, and it's... Uh, and you do. It's, it's, almost, it's almost ridiculous, the talent we've attracted into this group, because... There are people in every every space of this, whether it's the media production guys that work with us or the strategy team 
or the press and communications folks. They all just do an amazing, amazing job. And there's there's you know very few egos and a lot of work gets done. So it's a, it's and one of the greatest orgs I've ever worked in. I'll tell you this much. I have watched your, I, I think I told you at one point in time, uh, I, I don't mind pissing anybody off, but you guys, you all are quick on, on the uptake and quick on the return. Thank you. <laughs> the, the question, since the title of the show is just asked the question, let me just ask you this question. I read your uh, recent um, op-ed piece in the New York Daily News, I believe it was, where you mm -hmm. said, mm -hmm. healing is fine, but we have to have accountability. Who do you yep. think should be held accountable other than Donald Trump? And what do you think that accountability means? Well, look, if we lived in an era still where there was honor and personal integrity and a sense of um, a sense of moral weight and guilt, uh, Ted Cruz would have quit the Senate. Josh Hawley would have quit the Senate. Uh, Kathy Hatt Smith would have quit the Senate. Ron Johnson would have quit the Senate. Tommy Tuberville would have quit the Senate. Rick Scott would have quit the Senate. These people in the Senate the morning of the worst terrorist attack on the Capitol in American history, were advocating for sedition and insurrection. So they should if be they held accountable. Shame, they would have gone. Now, they will not be held accountable unless there's pressure brought on them. And the one person who could hold them accountable, which at the very minimum, I believe those individuals who, who supported this in the Senate must be censured at the minimum. That's the bare baseline, bare bones outcome. If they don't, it is a sign that Mitch McConnell has surrendered to the QAnon caucus, that the Senate Republicans are going to dedicate themselves to blowing their chances of recapturing the Senate, that they are going to tell pretty lies to stupid people um, about an election that was not stolen, they're gonna claim it was. They're gonna keep this up as long as they can, as long as the hamster wheel of email fundraising and Fox News hits is, is, is continuing. Yes. And you know, there are other people, including Donald Trump himself, um, his moron son, uh, Rudy. Which, which moron son? They're interchangeable. Oh, yeah, I mean, there are there are the eldest, the soft-chinned elder moron son. <laughs> ah, that um, that moron. That moron. Um, but also that same day, you had Rudy out there, you had Mo Brooks out there, and in the House, by the way, Kevin McCarthy has completely ceded any kind of moral leadership at all. He has basically said, fuck it. The QAnon caucus is ruling the, the House now. And, the, you know, Bobert. Re he realizes that, right, he realizes he's not, well, he is kind of stupid, but he's not like really stupid. He knows Bobert and Green are poison. But he yeah. also knows that Bobert and Green will be joined in the next two years by more QAnoners in the Republican caucus. It will not get less crazy. It will get more crazy. It will not get less intense. It will get more intense. And so the idea oh, well, that we're going to have... Let, let me interrupt you for that. Do you think the seditious acts that we saw at the Capitol, um, the insurrection, was mm -hmm. a high watermark <laughs> like Pickett's charge or just the opening salvo? Yeah, that's the real question. Is, is, is Was that Pearl Harbor? Right. Or you Pickett's know? charge. Or, or Pickett's charge. Right. And I tend to think... <clears throat> that we are reaching a point in the country where there's a critical mass of folks who believe what they're told on Facebook. And by the way, in the accountability department, I put an enormous amount of responsibility in the hands of Mark Zuckerberg and Facebook. You know, Parler was, I do too. was amusing, but it was 
honestly a distraction. Facebook signs up more new users in about 15 minutes than Parler ever had. Facebook is the rocket fuel for these conspiracies. It's the organizing network for these crazy people. It is the singular method by which the Trump right has built a communications bubble around itself, shielded itself from reality in every way, and, and put themselves into a, a, a position of enormous danger and enormous risk um, because they are now pursuing a path that is going to lead up to a lot of them getting killed. Yeah. If they think this is revolution is going to go their way, well, they're, they're about they're, to be they're very surprised. They're, 